This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Talk about something very interesting. Very interesting subject tonight. So, I have spoken before, I have spoken many times, about something called spiritual DNA. I'm actually in the middle of writing a book. I've been in the middle of writing a book about spiritual DNA for about 10 years. Um... What does that mean, spiritual DNA? What does that mean? This week's parsha. So there's a I'm a fireish in the Mikroyes Kedolos that's called the Clay Yakar. Clay Yakar was written somewhere between 1550 and 1619. So let's say 1615. So that means he lived 400 years ago. So he lived 400 years ago. And if you open up a Mikroyes Kedolos Chumish you will see in it the Mofar is called the Kleyaka. They just came out with the Kleyaka in English. It's written by Eliyahu Levine. You can buy it. It's from Menucha. Anyway, so it's very fascinating. So the, the first Kleyaka in this week's parsha, the Eilat Teldos, is my opening, actually, my opening forward in the book of, of spiritual DNA. The proof that this exists outside of my theory that is this Kleyaka. This Kleyaka says very specifically um, that there is spiritual DNA. What does spiritual DNA mean? What does that mean? So, many of you girls have, have gone to college and have gone to high school. We know that, that DNA is a genetic, the genetic DNA. It's something that parents give over to children, grandparents, right? There's recessive genes, right? There are some genes that skip a generation. So like you'll have a kid like someone in this room will have a baby with bright red hair, and you'll be like, uh, excuse me, I don't have red hair, and my father doesn't have red hair, and my husband doesn't have red hair. How did I get a kid that's a redhead? Not because anything wrong with redhead. Redhead's great. Don't get me wrong. David Amalek was a redhead. He's called Admoni, right? He was a redhead. So anyway, they say anyone who's a real redhead comes from David Amalek. He was Mamashit. The Navi says that, that Goliath, when he looked at him, said, Admaini, you, you're now Admaini, you're a redhead with, with very, he had very beautiful blue eyes. I don't believe that a redhead can have dark eyes. I believe that's also a DNA thing. Light hair, can't, I don't think a redhead can have brown eyes. Recessive genes, I don't know, I didn't, I didn't do that well in science. Um, the way I got through science was the guy next to me did well. Okay, but anyway, uh, that's just a joke, that's just a joke. So, um, so, there's recessive genes, and so sometimes it skips two generations, and you also have this kid who's a redhead, and you find out that your husband's grandmother was a redhead. It doesn't come from nowhere, it has to come from somewhere. The color of your eyes, the color of your skin, your height, your weight, the shape of your face, all these different things, right, come from a person's DNA. They, they know now today, heart disease, cancer, all these other things are in a person's, in a person's, um, a person's DNA. If, if, if someone's mother had cancer and their grandmother had cancer and it was the same cancer, so then they start checking that girl way before they would check, you know, a 40-year-old. They're checking her already when she's 16 years old. Why? Why? Because if her mother and her grandmother had it in their DNA, it's very possible she has it in her DNA. So that's, that's DNA. It's, it's carried. Now, the desire, and, and we learn in Kabbalah, that everything in this world is mirrored in the next world. So just like you have DNA from your parents in this world, you look like them, right? Depend, it, again, sometimes it skips. Sometimes you don't look like, at all like them. 
but you'll see a picture of your grandparents when they were young, and you'll say, wow, that's what I look like. So, so in the spiritual world, it's the same thing. So, a person who, and we're going to see this inside, because you see this from, from Esav, where did he get that DNA from? He came from Yitzhak and Rivka. <coughs> but he came from Lavan and Besuel. We're going to learn the whole thing inside. So, so, there are some girls that I speak to and they're like, they're well, I, I don't have any challenge whatsoever to talk to boys. I have no challenge in my tzniyas. I just, for me, it's, I, I never thought of, I never, I never thought of anything else. And the other girls is like, I, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm struggling. I'm struggling with my tzniyas. It's like, it's the struggle, my struggle, it's the struggle. You have two girls the same age, same school, same seminary, same everything. One's struggling, one's not. What's going on over here? So it must be the one who's not struggling, her mother, her grandmother, her great-grandmother, st- struggled and, and was able to beat it and was able to change it. And therefore her grandchildren don't have that struggle anymore. That's called spiritual DNA. Now the scary part of this is that your behavior right now, let's say, you don't, let's say you're not married and you don't have children, your behavior right now is creating the DNA of your children. How do you know this? How do you know this? So there's a Rashi. When the Rashi says, later on by Dina, right? So later on by Dina, she gets into big trouble. It says, Atetze Dina. She went out to see what's going on in the world, to see the fashions. And we know Shechem took her and he did bad things with her. Forcefully, right? So it says the following. If you want to look it up, Perik Lamid Dalid, Imbereshis, and Pasha Yishlach. Atetze Dina Bas Leah. And Dina, the daughter of Leah, went out. She was born to Yaakov. To see what's going on with the girls. Check out the styles. And then she got, of course, and he forcibly molested her. So Rashi has a very big question over here. Who gave birth to Dina? Yaakov or Leah? Who gives birth to a kid? The mother. So it says, Vatetse Dina Bas Leah. Dina went out, the daughter of Leah. Ashe Yolda Yaakov. That was born to Yaakov. No, it should say, Vatetse Dina Bas Yaakov. And Dina, the daughter of Yaakov, went out. Ashe Yolda Leah. She was born to Leah. She wasn't born to Yaakov. So why does it say it in the opposite direction over here? And that's what Rashi asks. Why does it say, Dina bas Leah? It should say, Dina bas Yaakov. Says Rashi the following. Pasuk Aleph, bas Leah, the low bas Yaakov. Why does the Pasuk say bas Leah, not the daughter of Yaakov? Because she went out. And Leah, we see later on that Leah, we see before this, Leah went out to meet Yaakov. I'll tell you the story. And because Leah went out, Dina went out. And Rashi, how, how old is Rashi? A long time ago, right? This is what Rashi says. And because of this, the saying goes, just like, just like the mother, just like the daughter. That's where that saying comes from. Like mother, like daughter. You think it's an American saying? Rashi brings it down in Pachvayishlach, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago. 
So, what's going on over here? So, what happened before this happened, before Pashat Vayishlach, Pashat Vayetzei, so the way it used to work that people had more than one wife, but they never had, they didn't have a house with four be- different bedrooms for their wives. Because that's not, it's not theistic. In one house, one night the man goes to this room, the next night the man goes to that room. So the way it was set up was that each woman that you were married to had her own house, her own tent. It was her tent, and the husband would go to the, t- the night that he would be with that woman, he would go to that tent. Not to have a house and have four wives and have them coming and going into his bedroom. It wasn't theistic. So each one, Rachel had a house, Leah had a house, Billah had a house, Zilpah had a house. So he would go to their tent. He would go that night to their tent. What happened? Rachel had no children. Leah already had a bunch of children. Reuven came in from the, from the time of the harvest, and he had Daduim. Daduim is a special plant that a woman who's in Akara, who, who's barren, who can't have children, but if she eats these Daduim, it gives her the power to have children. They're called Daduim. Yes, um, Reuven, who is Leah's son, had these Daduim, and Rachel saw it. Rachel had no children. So Rachel went to Leah and she said, Listen, sister, I'm going to ask you a favor. You have children, I don't have children. Could you give me these Daduim? So Leah said, I'll make a deal. Tonight, Yaakov Avinu was supposed to go to Rachel's tent. She said, If you do a switch and you let him come to my tent, you give up this night for me, I'll give you the Daduim if you give up this night with Yaakov. So Rachel wanted to have children. said, okay, you got a deal. Now some of you are sitting here and you're like, I don't chop here. Rachel gave up everything for Leah when she did the switch. Right? When she did the switch. How could, how could Leah be so mean to say, you have to give up the night? Leah should have said, listen, I can't believe what you did for me. The night we got married that you gave me the simanim, that you told me the secret code and I didn't get embarrassed. I owe you one. So... Here's the dad to women, you can have Yaakov tonight. What's this deal? No, here's the dad to women, but I get Yaakov tonight. And the answer is that Leah never knew that Rachel made, that Rachel made this whole switch. Because it brings down in the Medrash that the, the code that, that, that Rachel had with Yaakov so that Lovin wouldn't be able to switch them was the Mishnah says, when a man comes into the house on Erev Shabbos, he asks his wife three things. Araftam, Asartam, Helikos Aneros. Did you make an Erev? Did you give challah from the challah? Did you light the candles? Those are the three things. It's a Mishnah. You ask three things. Araftam, Asartam, Helikos Aneros. It's a Mishnah. Shabbos. So she told Yaakov, you ask me when you're in the room and it's dark, what are the three things and I'll answer Araftam Asartam at Legal Saneros, then you know it's me. So that was the code. Rachli Menu, says the Medrish, didn't want Leah to know that she wasn't supposed to be with Yaakov, because it's still an insult. We're cheating Yaakov, but at the end of the day, it means he doesn't want me, he wants you. So Leah wouldn't have felt good about it. So what did, what, what did the Medrish say? What did Rachel do? Rachel said to Leah, I hear you're getting married tonight. I hear you're marrying Yaakov Avinu. You know, you got to learn Shabbos, you know, there are three things. When, now that you're marrying him, you're going to have a Shabbos table. There are three things you need to know when a man comes home, Erev Shabbos, you know, what you need to tell him. She said, what? 
She said, Asartem, Araftem, and Ligus Haneros. Those are the three things that a husband's going to ask you. He's going to ask you. I just learned it. And so she taught it to Leah as learning. So when she was in the room with Yaakov, and Yaakov said, what are the three things? Leah just said the three things. And Yaakov said, oh, it must be Rachel. Leah never knew that Rachel did anything for her. She thought she was supposed to be with Yaakov. So here, she was like, I'm the oldest. I go first. So she never thought that Rachel did anything. Rachel did a chesed without the person who, who was getting the chesed know about it. So over here, what do you, what, what do you mean? You, I don't owe you anything. So if you want the daduim, then the one thing that Leah had over Rachel, because Yaakov loved Rachel, the one thing she had over Rachel was children. Leah had children and Rachel didn't. So by giving her the daduim, she knew she was going to have children. So she said, here's the deal, we'll make a switch. What happened? Leah was so excited that she got that night from Rachel that instead of waiting till Yaakov Avinu came in to the houses and he, she would go over to him and say, by the way, tonight, instead of going to Rachel, come to me. She was so excited, the Pasuk says, she ran out into the field. He was working in the field. She ran out into the field. She said, Yaakov, don't go to Rachel tonight. You're coming to me. She was very excited to have her husband. It wasn't Sneas. Not modesty for a woman to run out to tell her husband that tonight's my night. So the the Torah looks at it that that wasn't Sneas. So it says over there, Vatetze Leah. Leah went out and she went into the field to tell Yaakov. It says Rashi, Vatetze Leah, you weren't a Tznua and you went out. That DNA of what you did is now going to be in your daughter. So the same words, Vatetze Dina. So Rashi says the reason that Dina wasn't a Tznua, and she went out to see, because the Jewish girl is, is supposed to be home, not running around. The reason she went out to see the girls and ended up getting molested was because her mother went out and wasn't a Tznua when it came to Yaakov. Now listen to this. When she went out to Yaakov, Dina wasn't born. Dina wasn't even conceived. Which means that the DNA that Leah gave to Dina, Dina wasn't even born yet. Which means that when you are not a Tznua, or you are a Tznua, whatever it is that you cause in your DNA, and you're 16 years old, and you're 17 years old, you're like, well, I'm not pregnant. My DNA is not going into my child. And the answer is no. It has, it has nothing to do with that the child is born already. You see from here that she wasn't even conceived, but she had this in her not to be a tznu and to go out, that came from her mother. So we see very much that there is such a thing called spiritual DNA. Just from, I'm going to tell you from this week's Pasha, but just from what happened, and, and, and I, wrote, I wrote this already down, what happened to her, we see that how you act, your grandchild might not have a challenge with doing chesed because you did chesed your whole life. So it's part of your DNA which you handed down. Now, it may end up in your, it may end up recessive. It may end up in your child. It may skip a generation. It may end up in your grandchild, but it will end up. And it is so powerful. It is so powerful. I said this last night in the boys' chair. Um, I'm not going to really be that clear tonight, but it's so powerful, the spiritual world, that it mirrors the physical world. 
that, that, that something that you do in the spiritual world not only can cause, listen to this, not only can cause spiritual DNA in your children and grandchildren, but your spiritual DNA can cause physical, physical DNA in your children and your grandchildren. How do we know this? So I'm going to try to say it as lush and nakia as I can. Mahalacha is, Mishabura brings down at the end of the second chalet, that if a man looks at the private part of a woman, his children will be blind. Shulchanach. It's not Kabbalah. It's not. And that's why when a man and woman is together, the lights are supposed to be off. He's not allowed to, to look at Oisei Makam. Mishra Brewer says if he does, he will have children that are blind. Now, does it mean children? It could be children. It could be grandchildren. It could be great-grandchildren. But the Mishra Brewer guarantees that if a man lose, looks at Oisei Makam, he will have in his generations a child will be born that will be blind. And he goes on. And he says that if a man does something else that he's not supposed to, he will have children that will be dumb, that will not be able to ever talk. What are you talking about? Because somebody looked at something he wasn't supposed to, the child's going to be blind? Looking is spiritual. He's looking at something he's not supposed to. How could that physically cause a child or a grandchild or a great-grandchild to be born blind? Now, that doesn't mean that every blind person in the world, their father looked at something they're not supposed to. It's just saying that that will cause that. There are many reasons for people being blind. Okay? But the Mishnah Bruh Shulchan Aruch in the halachas of how a person acts at night with his wife, Bishaz Zivug, is very clear. The Bir Halacha, I read it last night and this year. The Bir Halacha says if, he, if it's not dark and he looks at the place he's not supposed to look, he guarantees that he will have children, grandchildren, or great-grandchildren, that somewhere down his generations, he may not even be alive anymore, will be born without the ability to see or born without the ability to speak. How can the Shulchan Aruch say that? And the answer is that the, that spiritual DNA is so powerful that it can cause changes in the physical body of the child. Now, I had this whole discussion last night. It was actually after the share. So the boy said, that's not fair. The child's boy being born blind because his grandfather looked at something he wasn't supposed to. There's no fear to the grandchild. Not fear to the grandchild. He didn't do anything wrong. Same question with a mamzer. A woman commits adultery, right? Her child, he can't marry a Jew. I don't think he can get an aliyah. Right? He's totally cut off from the Jewish nation. What did the kid do? The mother went ahead and committed adultery. So how, it's not fear. And it happens to me that there were some people that went off the derrick because of this. How could it, how, I don't want to get into religion, but there's a whole religion that's based on he didn't do anything wrong. Why is he being punished? Because he wasn't accepted in the Sanhedrin. Whatever. I, I, I don't want it specifically because my shirim are all over the world. But there's a whole basis to that. It's not fair, especially women. Women very feel, it's not fair. This kid didn't do anything wrong. His mother did something wrong. So last night at the Shia, they were like, I don't understand that mission rule. Because my grandfather was a lowlife and he looked at something he wasn't supposed to look at. So I'm going to be blind? So that's not fair. So I explained to them that DNA is not about fear. DNA is consequence. That, that someone has a genetic heart defect or genetic cancer or genetic physical defect because of their parents' genetics, right? It's not his fault. 
It's not his fault, but if his father died when he was 50 from a heart attack, and his grandfather died when he was 50 from the heart attack, and his two uncles died at 50 from their heart attack, the doctors are testing him and giving him medicine way before he's 50. Way before he's 50, because it's in his family. Not in, what do you mean? What, why do I have to take care of myself? It's not my fault. The answer is it has nothing to do with fault. <coughs> it's, co- it's, it's, it's consequence. It's not, it's not fault. So I explained to them, that in the physical, in the spiritual world, why is, why is his grandchild being punished or great-grandchild being punished that he's born physically different? I said, when you have a child that a mother is doing heroin, so when the child is born, a mother who's a dope addict, a drug addict, the child, right, has to be given methadone immediately, drugs, immediately, because it'll die. It's heart, it, it's, its heart will stop because it's a drug addict. It's born a drug addict. Did the kid do something wrong? Why? Because his mother was a heroin addict? So he's born, first of all, a preemie and small, right? And on top of that, he's, he's got all kinds of rejections, his heart, his lungs, and everything. And you got to give him drugs. Did the kid do something wrong? Did he do anything wrong? No, but his mother, because she did that, there's a consequence in the physical world. There's a drug that you're still suing. When my mother was, in those days, in the 50s, Right when my mother was giving birth, there was a certain medicine that they were giving women that they didn't didn't know that it causes huge child defects. And kids were being born without arms and without legs and with club feet and with clefts and with all the other stuff because at that point they didn't know. Right? Is it the kid's fault that he was born without an arm? Did he do something wrong? No. The mother took a medicine that has a side effect. So you you have to understand that the, the way Hashem created this world, I know people don't want to accept it. Hashem created this world with consequence. If you take a crystal vase and you drop it on a marble floor, it's going to break. What do you mean? Why is it going to break? If the floor is angry at the vase, they have a relationship? No, Hashem created the world that if you drop crystal on marble, it's going to break. It's called a consequence. A consequence is not about being fair. It has nothing to do with being fair. If you stand in front of a car at 80 miles an hour, you're dead. Does the guy, don't, does the guy who hits you doesn't like you? He wants to kill you? The consequence of getting hit by a car at 80 miles an hour is you're not going to live. You're not going to live. Hashem created consequence. And Avera has a consequence. A mitzvah has a consequence. It's not a punishment. Everyone's busy. God's a punishing God. He's not a punishing God. He set up a world that has consequence. The basics, the basics of physics is... What's the basics? Everyone here who took physics. Every action has a reaction. That's the way Hashem created the world. Every action, every mitzvah you do has a reaction. Every avery you do has a reaction. So it's not a question of, oh my God, his grandchild came out blind. It's not fear. It's a consequence. So the grandfather or the father has to know, you cannot do that. The halacha is you cannot do that. And if you do that, there is a consequence. It's not a punishment. It's a very big difference. If you tell your child, you have to be home by 11 o'clock tonight, and the kid shows up at 11.10, all the doors are locked, the alarm's on, she's knocking on the door, it's 11.10, and you're like, you can't come in. What do you mean? I told you to be here at 11. I don't care, sleep in a park, sleep on the street. You're not coming into the house. That's a punishment. Because you did not tell her. It's not a consequence. But if you tell her, you got to be here at 11, because at 11, the doors are being locked. And the alarm's on, and we're not letting anyone into the house. You show up at 11.10, the consequence of showing up at 11.10 is you're not getting into the house. It's not a punishment.
kosher delight. You have to be open till 12 o'clock at night. You're hungry. You're like, ah, we don't have to go yet. You show up at 12.30, the doors are closed, the lights are off. You're standing there screaming, why do you hate me so much? Why are you punishing me? How come I can't get a burger? Where's my french fries? Why do you people hate me? And they're like, nobody hates you. It says it's closed at 12. The consequence of coming to a restaurant that closes at 12, at 12.30 is you're not getting into the restaurant. If you showed up at 11.30 and they're like, we don't like you, Wallerstein, we're not serving you, that's a punishment. So in this world, we're always like, why are you punishing me, Hashem? Why so much punishment? Hashem's like, I'm not punishing you. You drop a vase, a crystal vase, it's going to break. So there are certain mitzvahs that I told you that if you do these mitzvahs, every action has a reaction. And I created a world that's physical, and I created that spiritual, and that's the way it works. And therefore, there is spiritual DNA. And therefore, because her mother ran out, even though she wasn't born yet, she ran out. And look what happened to her, which Hashem. So it's a very important thing to learn in life. And it actually, the, the spiritual world actually can change the physical world. As we see from the halacha in Shulchan Aruch. Yes? Isn't it the the ability to choose? The what? To choose. Like we are, no, she didn't have a chirah to go or no. So we're going to learn tonight's klayakar that if you have your parents' DNA, you can break it but it's called intrinsic. It's in you, much harder to break. Much harder to break. You can. Yeah, she had bechira. She had a choice, but it was a. She had a choice, but it was a much bigger choice. She, in other words, she had a yitzhara to go out. Where the other people who didn't have a mother that did that don't have that yitzhara. They're other yitzhara. I'm trying. Some girls tell me, I don't have. I don't have a problem with boys. I'm not interested. I don't have a problem with sneers. It doesn't. I don't have that challenge. The other girl has that challenge. But the girl, she's cheap. She doesn't like to give tzedakah. She has a temper. Everybody has different challenges. So she had an atiyah to go out. She should afford it. But the reason she had it, all the other girls, Yaakov's other daughters, because each son had a twin, didn't have that. Rashi's saying, why, where did it come from that she wanted to go out? It came because of her mother. So the DNA is only the NPI, and then they have to choose it. To 100%. And we're gonna, he's going to say it very clearly that there's two kinds of DNA. There's DNA from your parents, which is you, which is intrinsically you. And then there's DNA from your Rebbe and other people that you get from teaching. Those, that's much easier to change because that's outside. The parent is inside. It's intrinsic. It's just very interesting. I had last night. It was interesting. Um, a guy came up to me last night in shul, and he said... Some rabbi got up, said that the kids that are off the derech today, they're off the derech, just Moshe Mandel, somebody, I mean, he, just, he quoted whoever it was, kids are off the derech because they don't have kibbutz of aim. Okay? That's what he said. I said, I have a question on that. In other words, people go off the derech because they don't have kibbutz of aim. I'm like, what was the biggest Avera that was ever done? Who did the biggest sin? Girls, who did the biggest sin ever? Anyone here know? What? Adam Woman. Which woman did the biggest of error? Chava. Chava did the biggest sin. The first sin ever. If she wouldn't have sinned, we would live forever. We wouldn't have, we would be walking around never depressed because we'd only know good and everything would be good and everything would be great, right? So Chava did the first of error. So I said to this rabbi last night, I'm like, I dare you to blame her parents. She didn't have parents. Hashem created her. So if you're telling me that the basis of people going up to Derek 
is because you don't have kibbutz of aim. That's why people go off the derech. I'm like, Chava didn't have of aim, and she still went off the derech. So I think there's something that I hope to mention it a little bit at the Gurdon convention, but I don't know if they'll let me. But I think that um, in the therapy world and even in the Torah world, everybody forgot about the main guy. Everyone's saying kids go off the derech. Schools, because schools may, even I say that, right, sometimes, that school made Torah a subject instead of life, and internet, and parents, sometimes we blame the parents, bad friends, I'm like, it's never written in any psychology book, and I don't read it in Mishpacha or anywhere else, there's a thing called, there's a guy called the Yetzirah, for some reason, he's not getting credit for making anyone go off the derech. The main guy that talks to you in your head to do bad things is the Yetzirah. No therapist ever said, do you, do, you, do you know why this kid's struggling with this problem? Because he has an evil inclination. And for some reason, no rabbis are getting up and saying, you know, the, the kids are going up there because they have a Yetzirah. Yetzirah. She had a Yetzirah that was outside her, and she couldn't beat him. And she had the best parents. She had Hashem created her. Hashem made him out of, with his own hands. The best parents. No dysfunctional home. Chava had no dysfunctional home. She came from the most functional home. She came from God. You can't blame it on her home. Right? She had a bad friend. She shouldn't have talked to the Nachas. She made a bad friend. But Lamaisu is the Yetzirah. And for some reason, it's like the Malcham of us. He came to Hashem. When God created the angel of death, he came to Hashem. He said, I don't, I don't want that job. I want to be like Raphael, the healer, or Michael. That's a bad job, Hashem said. I give you one guarantee. Nobody will ever blame you. Don't worry. He ate too much. He ate the wrong food. He smoked too much. He was too uptight. He was too nervous. He didn't have a seatbelt on. Nobody ever says, so by the way, um, I heard your father passed away. Like, like what happened? Oh, he had a heart attack. He had a stroke. He had cancer. Nobody ever said, uh, he had the Mahamavas. So Hashem promised the Malach us you'll never get blamed. So sort of the Yetzirah right now in this generation is standing on the side and he's laughing his brains off because everyone's pointing fingers but no one's pointing fingers at him. So I told this guy, you know, it's, ridic- it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's, it's, it could be... It's like, you know, I remember when the whole thing of cancer first started, I was a young kid and it was pretty much understood that the reason that a person got cancer, was because they smoked. So I was so happy that I'm never going to get cancer because I'm never going to smoke. And all the people who didn't smoke were like, wow, we're good to go. And then kids started getting leukemia that were six months old. They didn't smoke. They didn't live under some power, you know, pollution for 25 years. And people began to realize that, that yes, smoking changes the percentages for sure, but cancer comes, comes from many different, different, many, many different places. So then all of a sudden, everybody got nervous. Because I gotta, I gotta watch myself. It's not only coming from smoking. You can just pick up that, the salad. Here, Ruth is the see there. So, so, when it comes to kids off the derech, everybody wants to hear that the reason kids are off the derech is because they have dysfunctional families. Oh, we have nothing to worry about. Our family is not dysfunctional. And the answer is that there's a Yetzirah in the world. Sometimes it's a family. Sometimes it's a friend. Sometimes it's abuse. Sometimes you just 
is a Baltaiva and wants to party and do you know whatever whatever he wants. Sometimes it's a teacher, sometimes it's a school. There's no one reason so that you could sit around and say, well, I don't have to worry about it because we're not a dysfunctional family. And the DNA that all the women in this room and whoever's watching this, the koyach that you have for your grandchildren, that if you're a tznua, down the line, one of your children or grandchildren is not going to suffer with this, with this challenge. And if you're a person who does chesed, she's going to want to do chesed. I teach girls. And I always wondered, I used to teach boys, and I always wondered why Hashem shifted me into teaching girls for 30 years. I was in the 8th grade boys. And all of a sudden I'm teaching girls, and I have seminaries for girls, and high schools for girls, and Ornava for girls. And where does this DNA come from? My, grand, my great-grandfather, not my grandfather, my great-grandfather had a girls' school in Germany. I didn't even know that. Eliezer Newhouse, who's my grandmother's father, before the Holocaust, had a Beisiakov type of school in Germany where he, he ran the school and taught the girls. So that DNA actually went down another generation because my uncle was at Rabbi Avraham Newhouse, and Rabbi Avraham Newhouse, who was my great uncle, was the Beisiakov of Williamsburg and has the Beisiakov camp up in, uh, up in, in, in the mountains. And all that, he got that from his father. So my father didn't teach girls. My grandfather didn't teach girls, but my great-grandfather taught girls. So, there's DNA. You're going to find what you're about. You're going to find it has a lot to do also with the person's name, where it comes from. That's why name is so important, because there's DNA in the name. I always ask girls, who you named after? It tells me a lot. It tells me a lot about the person. Who was that person? What was she like? Who was she? It tells me a lot. Your name is your sort of your card that you put in the uh, ATM machine. Your name says a lot. My Rebbe always, Rebbe Gamil says, you have to behave yourself. Your name is Zechariah. So Zechariah stands for Zachar Hashem. When a person looks at you, they have to remember God. If you're going to misbehave, it's not going to work. So he's very much, and Shimon, Shimon comes from the word Shema, Shimon Ayin, Shema, that people will listen to you. My, the basis of my name is Zachar Hashem, Shema. People should remember Hashem when they see you, and Shema, they should listen to what you have to say. That's the translation of my name. That's where my name comes from. And I'm a Kayan, and Zechariah Hanavi was a Kayan. I don't want to end up like he, what he did. He died, he was stoned in, in the Kodesh Kedashim because he was giving Kleistral Musa. He was giving it to them, and they stoned him to death. And his blood boiled for hundreds of years, and a lot of Jews died because of it. When, they, when the king came, he said, what's this? And they said, it's the blood of an animal. He said, it's not the blood of an animal. And then they said they killed the coin. They killed he was a coin, coin Gadol and a Navi in the base of Midrash on Yom Kippur. And he started, he said, I will revenge the blood. And he started killing men, and the blood kept boiling. Then he killed women, the blood kept boiling. Then he killed children, the blood kept boiling. There were thousands of pounds of brains on a rock that came from all these people, and the blood came boiling. And the, the king, Nevuza Zadron, said to the blood, he said, So if you want, I'll kill them all. If you want, I'll kill them all. But I want your blood to stop. And his blood stopped. And then the Vazardan said, uh-oh, if Zechariah's blood, if, if, look how many Jews died because Zechariah's blood was boiling, I killed so many Jews, imagine what's going to happen to me, and he became a ger. It's in the, it's in the kidneys on Tisha B'Av. So a person's name is also their, is also their DNA, and we see that, that by the 12 tribes, every name that was given was given for a reason. 
Ruvain Shimon, each one has a Pasuk where that name came from. Yitzchak, Hashem already said the name is going to be Yitzchak. Yitzchak comes from laughter. Right? So all the, all the names that a person has, a person's name is very, very, it, te- it says a lot. It says a lot. So, so where am I going with this? So this week's parasha, it says the following, the first Pasuk. Be'elotolos Yitzchak. And these are the children of Yitzchak. Ben Avraham, the son of Avraham. Avraham, Hoyledus Yitzchak. Avram gave birth to Yitzchak. So that's repetitive. These are the children of Yitzchak, the son of Avram. Avram gave birth to Yitzchak. If Yitzchak's the son of Avram, Avram gave birth to Yitzchak. So it's repetitive. And what's the difference between a tolda and a holid? These are the children. The Eilu told us Yitzchak ben Avram. Avram holid is Yitzchak. So, why the double answer? So Rashi says, fascinating Klayaka. Listen to this Klayaka. Brilliant. So Rashi says... Why does it say twice? Because the Litzani Hadar, the, the, the troublemaker, said, y- Yitzchak's not Avram's child. Avram lived with Sarah, right, till she was 90. She couldn't get pregnant. So now, she spends one night with Avimelech, and all of a sudden she gets pregnant and has Yitzchak. Must be, it's not Avram's child. It's Avimelech's child. Avram and her were together for, for, for 70 years. They couldn't have children. One night with this guy, and she's pregnant. So they were walking around saying, it's not Avram's child, it's Avimelech's child. So the Torah starts to tell, the Elah told us Yitzchak meant Avram. Avram, Hailed is Yitzchak. Avram gave birth to Yitzchak. It's answering these people. Not Avimelech. And Rashi says, Hashem made a miracle. Yitzchak looked exactly like Avram. Like twins. They looked exactly the same. So I have a big question on this. And my question on this is, these clowns that were saying that he was a child of Avimelech, they don't make any sense. You didn't, Hashem, you didn't have to make a miracle that Yitzchak looked like Avram. Why? Because they knew that Avraham could have children. Avram had Yishmael. So, being one night with Avimelech, she got pregnant. The problem of pregnancy wasn't the man. The problem of pregnancy was the woman. Avram had a child, Yishmael. So you're saying, Avram, you couldn't, you couldn't get her pregnant. Avimelech got her pregnant. Avram wasn't the problem. Avram had a child. So Avram could get her pregnant. The problem was Sarah. So if she had a child, why are you saying it came from Avimelech? Avram could have children. So why did Hashem have to make this whole miracle? That he has to look exactly like him. Just turn around and say, what do you mean Avimelech? Avram, Avram had children. He had Yishmol. Avram didn't have a problem having children. It was Sarah that had the problem. So it has nothing to do with Avimelech. Why is Avimelech any better than Avram? So why do you have to make the miracle? This is fantastic Kleokar. The Kleokar says the following. So here's where my whole book, my whole book on DNA, my whole forward that I wrote comes from this. This is the proof of spiritual DNA. And he says the following. He says, even though it says that he was the son of Avraham, it is necessary also to state that Avraham hired his Yitzchak, that Avraham fathered Yitzchak. Why? Because by Yishmael, it says, Eilat told us Avraham Yishmael, Asher Cholid as Hagar. It says that Yishmael, who gave birth to him? Hagar. Why? Because where the son is mentioned with regard to Avram, yet the birth is ascribed to Hagar. Therefore, it's necessary to state here that both the son and the birth 
We're both Avram. Now what does this mean? Because a son doesn't have to be a real son. You don't have to give birth. My students, my students are considered my banim. My female students are considered my banot. Whoever you teach Torah, keben. He's like a son. So you could have a son who you didn't, who's not naturally your son. Okay? You could have such a son by teaching them Torah. How do we know this? We see that it says later by Moshe Rabbeinu, it says that he was like a son to Batya, the daughter of Paro. Batya, the daughter of Paro, didn't give birth to Moshe Rabbeinu. Yocheved did, right? But because she brought him up, he was like a son. So you could be not born from parents, but considered like their child. It says by Megillah's Esther, that Esther was, was the daughter of Mordechai. Esther was not the daughter of Mordechai. Mordechai was her uncle, right? But because Mordechai brought her up, she's considered like his daughter. Where else do we see this? Osnas Bas Potifera. Osnas was actually Dino's daughter from the molestation of Shechem. She wasn't Potiphar's wife's daughter. She adopted her. But the Torah calls her Osnas Bas Potifera. So we see from here that you can be called a child without being actually born physically from those parents. Okay? So therefore he says, the difference between teaching someone and literally fathering him, alright, what's the difference? So this is the point that we made before when you asked that question. Whatever characteristics of the teacher's nature that a person acquires is only incidental. In other words, you're my student and you learn from me, so you're not my child, so you don't have my, you don't have my actual DNA. It's sort of like a outside DNA, like a coat, like a jacket. You know, some people are always cold and some people are always warm. So if your parents, you, get, you have that from them, that your mother is always warm, so you're always warm. So that's inside of you. But putting on a coat to make yourself warm, that's outside. So here, being taught, that's like, a, that's like an outside. It's called incidental. But, but the person who was born from his parent, it's called intrinsic. It's actually, you have the DNA of your parents because they are physically and spiritually, your, they're physically your parents. And even that depends on the recipient. Now, this is what he says. The characteristic that one receives from one who is fathered, in other words, the characteristics that Dina got from her mother Leah are intrinsic, it's in you, and will not change if it is left to reside in his nature, unless he exerts much diligence, effort, and habitation to change his nature. So in other words, she did have Bechira, but it's much harder to change your intrinsic nature that you get from your birth parents, than your nature that you get from a Rebbe, or from someone who's taking care of you. However, the nature he acquires from his teacher can, can easily change. Okay, that's why Moshe Rabbeinu later on says to Hashem, I don't understand, have I fathered them? Like, what do you want from my life? What he was telling Hashem is that I'm just their teacher. So if they're doing Averis, they're not my children, right? Okay. Therefore, Yishmael is only called Avraham's son, but he's not called his offspring. He's called Hagar's offspring. And that's why he followed what, where Hagar came from. She was an Egyptian. The Egyptians were immoral. So he was immoral. So the Torah is telling us the following. Yitzchak, however, Ve'ela told us Yitzchak, he was a tolder of him. He had the outside DNA of his father. But Avram highlighted as Yitzchak. He also had the intrinsic DNA of his father. He says, therefore, 
Yitzchak received Avram's nature and also learnt from his deeds. And therefore everything was ascribed to Avram. Hailed is Yitzchak and told us Yitzchak. Both the expression for son and also the, the expression of a birth father. He wasn't like Yishmael who was... Okay, now comes the problem. And the problem is as follows. If that's the case, Rabbi Wallenstein, and you just gave us a whole sheer on spiritual DNA, how did Yitzchak and Rivka have an Esav in this week's Parsha? How come Esav didn't get his mother's Sadekis to Rivka and his father Yitzchak, Tzadik Yitzchak, how come he didn't get their DNA? If Yitzchak was, if, if Yitzchak was born with such holiness and purity, why did Esav, now Esav had a thing, he specifically went to commit adultery. He went after married women. He didn't go after girls that were single. Specifically was doing Gilead Arroyos. He committed adultery. He went after all the women who were married. Where did that come from? Yitzchak? Rivka? So here, this is what the Klayakar says. And he answers my question. The Goyim didn't walk around saying that Yitzchak must be Avimelech's son because she got pregnant from that night. They said, hold on. You got this kid Esav. There's no way that you can get an Esav from Avraham. It must be she got pregnant from Avimelech. And Esav is, got his DNA from his father. And his father was Avimelech. His grandfather was Avimelech. And therefore, he's such a Russia. So they went walking around saying, he has to be from Avimelech. Yitzhak has to be from Avimelech. To have a child like Esau, he can't be from Avram. Avram can never have a grandchild like Esau. So Hashem had to make a miracle to make him look, Yitzhak, look exactly like Avram so that they couldn't ask that question. But the cleric says, but it's a question. How do you get an Esau who went around committing adultery from Avram Avinu? From a grandfather with such DNA? How does such a thing happen? So the cleric answers, beautiful. He says... He says, he says, according to our approach, he says, therefore, it answers another question. And this is very fascinating, because if you look at the second Pasuk, in, if you look at the third Pasuk, in this, in, um, the second Pasuk in this parasha, it doesn't make sense. What does it say? He was 40 years old, when he took Rivka, right? That would have been enough. He got married at 40. No. Rivka, who was Rivka? Bas Basuel, the daughter of Basuel Harami, the crook. From a city where they ate and drank and partied all day long. Her brother was Lavan, the other, the other crook. Lowly Isha. Why is the Torah telling us all this negative stuff about Rivka? It should just say, he married Rivka. I know from last week's Pasha, her father was Mesuel, her brother was Lavan, and she came from Padna Ram. It said that in last Pasha. Why are you repeating this? So the Kleyoka is saying, we're repeating it, the Torah is repeating it, to answer the question, how could Esau come from Yitzchak? The answer is, that his DNA came from his mother. Now, let's take a look at who, what happened with his mother. She says the following. It seems, for this reason, that the, ver- that the verse mentions all three. Besuel, Lavan, Panaram in order to explain the origin of the three negative attributes that Esav had. Why would he entice women, specifically commit adultery? That was his thing. 
to entice women from their husband. So we learned last week, I don't know if I taught it over here, but the Medrash says, why was Besuel named Besuel? Besuel comes from the word Besula, which is the virgin. Why would a man have such a name? So the Medrash says that Besuel had a rule, which Taka Hanukkah is coming, and it was a rule that the Greeks had also, that before a woman would get married to her husband, she had to sleep, she had to be together with the mayor, or the governor, or the king of the town. And he would take away her virginity, and then he would give her to, to the husband. That was the rule. That's what Besuel did. So he was called Besuel as a negative, because he took the Besula away from the girls. So now you're wondering why Esau was only after adultery? Because that was his father. His father would only take girls who were, who were getting married to their husbands. So that DNA from Besuel came through, and Esau didn't only have a Yetzirah for women, he had a specific Yetzirah for women that were married. Because that came from Besuel. He says, what was the second thing? This week's Pasha, he comes and he tells his brother, pour the soup down my mouth. Feed me right now. Right? No bracha, no sitting down, like a pig. You just pour it down, man. No bracha, no nothing. Where did he get that from? So it says, in, last, in Lech Lecha, when they were going through Padan Aram, so the Medrash says that Yaakov Avinu saw that they were all eating and drinking and reveling. So he said, let not my portion be in this land. Hashem, I don't want to, I don't want to live in this land. I don't want my children to be chazerim like this. But that's where Rivka came from. So Asa, who came from Rivka, that DNA was a chazer. He no bracha, just pour, this, pour the food down my mouth. Came from the place where she lived. And the third thing, that Esau was deceitful. That he deceived his father. He used to ask his father all the time, do you have to give tzedakah? Do you have to give from hay? He made himself look into a tzaddik. Where did that come from? It came from Laban Arami. came from Laban, her, 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 her brother. So the Torah specifically tells us, how did you get an Esau? How did an Esau come from two people like this? Because DNA doesn't stop with the parents. She came from a Besuel. Her brother was a Lavan. She came from Padan Aram. So Esau took all that DNA. Oh, took the opposite. Yaakov took the DNA of his father, of Yitzchak, who was on the Akedah, of Avram Avinu, of all that Kedusha. So Yaakov was a Yaakov. And Esav was an Esav. But the Gemara says that Esav was bigger than Yaakov. And that Esav, if he would have fought his DNA, as it says here, you could, he would have been much bigger. The way Hashem created the world is supposed to be four Imahos and four Avos. Leah was supposed to marry Esav. It wasn't supposed to be three fathers and four mothers. Four fathers and four mothers. They were all, they were all but Leah, but Esav became a Russia. And Leah Davin not to get married to a Russia. So the Gemara says that when Mashiach comes at the big Suuda, so there's a four seats for the, for the Imahos. Sarah's gonna sit there, and Rachel, and Leah, and Rivka are gonna sit there. And then there's gonna be four chairs by the men's table. Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov, and an empty chair. And that was supposed to be Asaph's chair. And the Gemara says that Asaph's gonna come to Hashem and say, I also wanna sit there. I'm, I'm one of the four Avais. And Hashem's gonna say, you? What, what you, after, you, you're not one of the four others after the way you behave. And he's going to say, the Gemara says, what do you mean? The, the Romans, Esau was the Romans, we, be, we built bathhouses for the Jews. We built roads for the Jews. We built civilization for the Jews. And Hashem's going to say, you built it for the Jews? You built it for yourself. You, you killed the Jews. You enslaved the Jews. 
And in the end, he doesn't get to sit at that chair. That chair stays empty. But there was a chair for him. He was, he was bigger. That's why his head ended up being buried in the Mars Pela. His head was bigger than Yaakov's head. He could have been bigger than Yaakov. I'm sure he got credit for I think that's why his head is in the his head's buried in the Mars Pela. It's big. It's huge. He got credit for his, his Kibbutz Avain. And his Kibbutz Avain hurt us all these years. That's where his Kayach comes from. From his Kibbutz Avain. But he would have been, he would have been bigger. But his DNA came, his DNA came from that side. But I have to tell you something. Yaakov also got that DNA. How did Yaakov fool his father? Right? Yaakov fooled his father. And then Yaakov fooled Esav. He made the best deal in the whole world. Esau was starving. He said, give me your Bechorah. With the Bechorah, he took everything. He fooled him. And later on, Esau was very angry. You, you, I was hungry. I was dying. Yeah, well, you, 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 you tricked me. I didn't trick you. Where did he get that from? He got that from Rivka's side. Yitzchak was straight. He said, there was no one straighter than Yitzchak. He got that from her side. And who else got it from that side? Rivka. Rivka, where did she learn this whole trick? She fooled Yitzchak, right, with the bracha, next week's parasha, right? No, this week's parasha, right? How'd she fool him? She said, listen to me, we are going to wear the Esav's coat. She went and got, she stole Esav's coat. She went and stole Esav's coat, put the coat on him so he should smell and he should feel the same. Then she went ahead and she said, I'm going to make the food the way Esav makes the food. So that he's going to have the same food. Said, then came the big one. I'm going to take goat's hair, put it on your arms, and put it around your neck. When, she came to, when he came to Yitzchak, he called, called Yaakov, the reason he gave the bracha, he was like, it could, you know, your voice could change, but your hands can't change. The guy's hands are all hairy. They were, it was goat skin. Where did Rivka, this, this Tzadikista, this three-year-old Tzadikista, come up with the same food, the coat, hair around the neck, hair on the arms? Because at the end of the day, she also had that DNA. She came from a home that was crooked, except... She used it for the good. You can use everything in this world for good and for bad. Esau could have used his power for good. Esau, why was Esau bigger than Yaakov? And, and really, this is what I want to talk about next week, but we'll, we'll, and we'll end with that, right? I don't, I don't know what time it is. 9.42. And I'll just tell you one other point. Why was he bigger than Yaakov? Because, and why did, it says here, by Yehav Yitzchak as Esau, Yitzchak loved Esau, by Yehav Rivka as Yaakov. Why does the Torah tell us that? Because the truth is that in all the years of teaching, I realized, and having my own children, realized that why did Yitzchak love Esau and, and Rivka love Yaakov? Because you love the child that's different than you. The kid that's like you annoys you. Annoys you, makes you crazy. Because they're just like you. So why does it annoy you? If the kid is doing good. So you're like, oh my God, the kid's like me, I could have been good too. So it just aggravates you that this kid turned out good and you didn't and you're like the same person. If the kid's bad, right? So it's like you want to live through the kid. Like, why? I, I, I talk it was bad, but like, why aren't you good? The kid that's like you bothers you like crazy. The one that's different, totally not like you, you're an introvert and this kid's all over the place, that's the one that you're excited about. It's the way it is. The one that's like you, you have a problem with. The one that's different is the one that you love more because they're exciting. It's like... I don't know that. I don't know that life. Wow, you live it through your kid. But the life of the kid that you really are like you, they annoy you, they aggravate you because you, you're actually yelling at yourself. So... All the kids get the same DNA? No, they, they all do. No, no, definitely not. No, definitely not. In the physical world, not either. 
You could have a kid that's six two, and you have a kid that's five four. A green eyed, a blue eyed, a, a DNA is it, it works on it has a certain system, but it it works in in one one out of eight, one out of eighty. No, your kids come out all differently. My brother is skinny like a stick. He can eat a thousand pounds. He, he, he just, and me, it don't it don't work that way. My DNA, his DNA are totally different. And so spiritually also, his age, I have different. So one daughter with and one Or two of them with Sneod also. You have two green eyed and you have two blondies and you have what? No, Hashem gets to choose the DNA. But it's but it's coming in from, from the outside. So here what was I gonna say? But here by Asa here by Asa, I wanted to say something. Right. Why was Asa bigger? Because why did they why did Yitzhak love Asa? Yitzchak stayed home all day and learned Torah. He never left Eretz Yisrael. Avram left Eretz Yisrael. Yaakov left Eretz Yisrael. Yitzhak never left Eretz Yisrael. He wasn't allowed to because he was a carbon. And a carbon can never leave Eretz Yisrael. So he stayed home all the time and learned. He was very straight and he learned. Yaakov was exactly like him. He was Yosheb Olam. He sat all day and learned. He wasn't excited about Yaakov. Esau had all these crazy stories. Dad, I was out in the field today, and there was a deer, and I shot him, and this, and that, and that. And it says, the Medjah, Yitzhak used to sit there and just fell. He was blind, and he, he, he heard all these stories. He was never out in the field. And Esau told him all these different stories in the field. Vayav Yitzchak es Esau. Rivka lived in a house. Everybody was out and running. She, at three years old, was a shepherdess. Out in the field, all, all, they were trickery. They were, all they were loving was, they were all out in the field. Now she has a son, sits and stags all day in the house. What are you learning? What's going on? I learned something else. I learned something new. She wasn't in love with Esau. Esau was like Lavan and her family. She was in love with the kid that wasn't like her, which was Yaakov. So Esau had the power of bringing the Kedusha to the world. He was out there. He was Ish Tzayin. He was a man that was out there. If he would have been the right man, he would have been Makar of the whole world. In other words, what's, what, what are we supposed to do in this world? We're supposed to take things that are, that are not Kadosh and Apple, right? We're supposed to take physical things and make them spiritual. That's why we're here. We take all our things. We go to the bathroom, Ashayatsa. You drink water, Shahakal, right? Every, every, everything in the physical world, what is a Jew's job? Take the physical world and make it spiritual. That's our job. Our job is not to make the spiritual world spiritual. Our job is to take the physical to make the spiritual world spiritual. Stay in Olam Abba. Stay in the spiritual world. We come down here, take the physical, every physical act, whatever we do, to make it spiritual. Yaakov wasn't doing that. Yaakov was living in the spiritual world. So it was very nice. It was a tzaddik, but he was living in the spiritual world. Esav, who was living in the physical world, if he would have taken the physical world and been a Yaakov and turned it into a spiritual world, it was much greater than Yaakov. And he fooled Yitzchak because he told Yitzchak, I'm out there and I, and, I, and I collected all this straw and I have to, do you give truma on straw? He started asking these questions that were not really his questions, but he wanted to make himself very religious. And, and Yitzchak sitting there thinking, oh my God, my son Esau is taking the spiritual world and he's making it into our world. He's making it into a, the physical world. He's making it into a spiritual world. Yeah, Yitzchak is Esau. He fooled him. So Esau fooled him. Yaakov fooled him. Rivka fooled him. 
They all fooled Yitzchak. Because they all had that DNA from the other side. Yaakov had it from his mother. Rivka had it from her family. And Esav had it from his mother. That's where it came from. Otherwise, they could never come up with, she would have never come up with these, you know, with these ideas of putting goat hair on his neck and he should smell the same and all that. So this is, so this, this is a proof of spiritual DNA. And that your parents that you're born from, to change that DNA is very hard. So if you are becoming the parent, make it easy on your kids. Don't make it hard on your kids. Now's the time to do the right thing so that your grandchild, your great-grandchild is going to be standing there when all her friends are doing something wrong and saying, this is not for me. And they're like, why not? I don't know. It's just not for me. And your great-grandmother standing in Shemayim saying, but I know. Because I beat it a hundred years ago. So now my great-granddaughter doesn't even have this gate Sahara. God, was it's amazing. And we see it all over the Torah. The Bnei Salafchad, they wanted Israel because they came from Yosef HaTzadik. And Yosef HaTzadik said, don't bury me in Israel. And Rashi says, why did they have a love more than any other girls for Israel? Because they came from Yosef. So they had his DNA. There are many different proofs in the Torah about spiritual DNA. So I want to end with this, with this thought, thought which we had a whole discussion in seminary about. And it's very, it's very connected to this. So the question is like this. The Torah tells us, this was, I've spoken about this before, and I had this question when I was a kid. I never understood this Torah, this Pasuk. It says, Yitzhak prayed to Hashem opposite his wife, because she could not have children. And Hashem listened to him. She became pregnant. She gave birth to these two kids. So the question is like this. If I told you a story, there, were these two, there was a husband and a wife, and they went to a big rabbi, and they didn't have children for 15 years. And they come to the rabbi, and the rabbi says, Oh, it's amazing, you came Hanukkah night. There's a school of Hanukkah night. If you stay up all night and say the whole thing alone three times, you're going to have a child in the following year. So they go home, the, the, the husband stay, opens his tail, and it takes two and a half hours, so it's seven and a half hours straight. He says that the whole tail, she, he's, 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 he's mama's davening. She's in the other room, and she's crying to Hashem. It takes her nine hours straight. All, all the Tehillim three times. She gets pregnant. They have a baby. A year later, they come Hanukkah to the Rav. I want to thank him. They come with a little baby. They're like, Rebbe, here's the baby you promised us. That night we went home. It took me nine hours, she says. He says, he took him seven hours. We said that the whole thing, we have a baby. The Rebbe looks at the two of them. Nonsense! Sorry. Nonsense! You don't have a baby because you prayed, Rachelah? Hashem didn't listen to anything you said. You know why you have a baby? Because your husband's a tzaddik. You, nine hours, God didn't listen to one word. Is that disgusting? That's very disgusting. Not only is it disgusting, but let's say he had Ruch HaKodesh and it was true. Hashem listened to the husband. Don't tell her that. She's down for nine hours. Say, Mazel Tov, I'm glad that my school worked. The Torah tells you over here, she didn't have any children. He davened. She davened. But yet, hello, Hashem listened to him, not to her. So Hashem did what this rabbi did. The Torah did what this rabbi did. The Torah is telling you, Rivka, you davened? Ah! He didn't listen to you. He listened to him. So Rashi says, why? Because Yitzhak was a tzaddik ben tzaddik. 
Yitzhak's father was Avram. You, Rivka? <laughs> Your father's Bisuel. You're a tzaddik ben Russia. That's why Hashem didn't listen to you. Would the Torah, does this make any sense? Would the Torah do that? The Torah should just say, and Hashem listened to them, and they had a baby. Why are you specifically saying Hashem did not listen to her? And the answer is, the word lenochach, that they prayed opposite each other. They had a big argument, the two of them. They were both praying for totally something else. And the argument was as follows. Yitzhak said, Hashem, if you give me a child, of course I want him to be a tzaddik. But if he's not a tzaddik, I want him to be a Russia. I want white or black. I'll tell you in a minute why. In other words, if you give me a tzaddik, great. If you give me a Russia, and he's really a Russia, then, if, then I could turn him into being a tzaddik. Rivka said, oh no. If you give me a tzaddik, give me a tzaddik. If you don't give me a tzaddik, give me a kid that's at least a little bit good, a little mixed up. So he was praying for white and black, she was praying for white and gray. Where did this come from, this argument? So this came from Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu said to Eliezer, when you find me a girl, don't take me a girl from Canaan, from the people that he was Makarov. He had a base Yaakov. He had valedictorians in his base Yaakov. He had girls that were learning and Tznuwa and everything else. He said to Eliezer, do not take a girl from here. They're Canaanim. I want you to go to my family and get me a girl from my family. Now his family was Besuel and Lavan, Rishayim, so bad, such Risham, that Avram Avinu could not get them to stop doing Avodah Zorah. He changed the whole world. They were bad to the bone. Black, bad to the bone. Stubborn mules. He could not get them to change. He said, I don't want a Tzadikist to from my school. Don't you bring me home one of those. You bring me home from my Rishayim cousins. What's going on? Rome said, listen, all these, all these girls in my base, Yaakov, these Canaanim, Asha Asu Bukharan, how did I make them into Jews? I, I fed them, I made a hotel, I bribed them, right? So, if someone comes along and gives them more, they're going to flip-flop. They're going to go from being a Jew, right? To, they're going to flip-flop. They're not solid. They're, the higher bidder gets them. He says, I don't want that, because Kleistrol and all the Gullahs, Right? There's going to be missionaries. They're going to offer them this, that, and the other thing. I want the Jews to be kshayorif, to be stubborn. So you go to my family. I know they're Rishom. I know they're black. I know they're bad. But they are so stubborn. Find me a good one. Find me a good one. From that dark family, and I know if I get that in my DNA, that it comes from Lovin and Besuel, and they become good, there's no way you can ever buy them out because they are stubborn. So... So Yitzchak's prayer was, that's what my father believed. So if you're going to give me a bad boy, if you're going to give me, don't give me a, a, a Kanani, sometimes good, sometimes bad, depending on what his mood is. You give me a black one, one that's stubborn like my family. But look what I got, I got a Rifka. So in the end, I'll get something good. I'll have in the DNA the stubbornness. Maybe I'll have a son that's a Russia. But my grandson already be a Tzadik. Rifka, Rifka who came from that family, Rivka was like, no, no, no. I, I come from those Rishayim. I know what they're like. I don't want such a kid. So he davened l'noichach ishtoy. He davened for white or black. She davened for white or gray. So the Torah tells us, Vayet lo Hashem. 
Hashem, not they both davened for the same thing, and Hashem listened to one and not the other. Hashem, Hashem listened to him, not over her. They had an argument. Hashem said he, he's right. What does Rashi say? Tzadik ben Tzadik, Tzadik ben Rasha, because that was the machlekes here. The Tzadik ben Tzadik, the Yitzchak, whose father was Avram, with the Tzadik ben Tzadik, he said, my father, who was a Tzadik, he understands that either black or white, nothing in between. But she was a Tzadik ben Rasha. She came from that blackness. She said, I don't want no part of that. So the Tzadik ben Tzadik wasn't scared of it. But she was scared of it. She said, I know Basuel and Lavan. I come from that. I'm a Tzadik ben Rasha. I know what it means to live with Risham. I don't want to have such a child. But Hashem said, no. Hashem said, he's right. You need to have in Kleistral that stubbornness. Even if it takes a generation to change. What happens? She becomes pregnant. She knows that Hashem, with Ruch HaKodesh, that Hashem said, he's right. And you're going to have... He's right. And I'm listening to him. What happens? She goes past the church. The baby tries to get out. She goes past the yeshiva. The baby tries to get out. She's like... One second. Look how this fits into the Pasuk. She says, one second. I don't understand. The, 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 the kid, she thinks it's one child. He's trying to get out of a church, and then he's trying to get out of yeshiva. So he's gray. He's not black or white. He's sugar. He's a flip-flopper. Go to church, I'll go to church. Go to yeshiva, I'll go to yeshiva. Wherever lunch is better, that's where I'm going to go. So every time they went past the yeshiva, he tries to get out. Then she goes past the, she's like, I don't understand. I don't understand. Hashem said, you, Hashem said, you listen to him, but I got the kid that I wanted. He, he's a flip-flopper. Listen to the posting. By the time when she said, in Cain, if this child is trying to get out in a church, and he's also trying to get out in a shul, lama Hashem, why are you listening to me? This was my prayer. Lama I thought you listened to him. But if this kid's a flip-flopper, lama why are you listening to me? So she didn't know what to do. So Vatelech, and I always wondered, it says Vatelech Lidwesh Hashem, she went to the yeshiva, but it doesn't say she went to the yeshiva. She went Lidwesh Hashem. Vatelech Lidwesh Hashem, she went to find out what is God doing. God is saying, I listen to, to, to Yitzchak, so I should have a kid that's either good or bad. So either he's going to get out of the church, or he's going to get out of the yeshiva. This kid wants to get out of both. So she went Lidwesh Hashem. Hashem, what are you talking about? Did you take my prayer or did you take his prayer? Ah, my Hashem, Hashem said to her, No, 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 I didn't listen to you. You don't have a wishy-washy kid. You got two kids. One is black and one is white. You're right, if it was one kid, one wants to get out of the church, he's totally no good. And the other guy wants to get in the yeshiva, he's totally good. I did not listen to you. I listened to Yitzchak. And what happened? Shnei goyim v'vitnech. And she doesn't ask any more questions, and she gives birth to the two of them, and you have Yitzhak and Yaakov. So we see here that it explains the whole sukkim what was going on over here, and her question was, also, Lama Zelenaychi was, I don't understand. Avram Avinu, you picked me because I wasn't wishy-washy, because I came from a family that was stubborn. So then Lama Zelenaychi... Why, if you, why did you pick me? I, you didn't gain anything. You could have taken a girl from your school. If, if she's wishy-washy, the kids, and The other shot says, she says something unbelievable. She said, my child wants to go out in, in, in an avoid, to serve a Zara. What am I going to do 
with the first of the Ten Commandments that says, Anoichi Hashem Alekecha. What am I going to do with the word Anoichi? The word Anoichi is that Anoichi Hashem Alekecha, that there is no Avaydah Zara. If you give me a child that says Avaydah Zara, what am I going to do with this Anoichi? May we all be Zaycha to have the most amazing DNA, and may we see the DNA of Mashiach and Herb Yemei Nuhamein. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.